welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. How do we start? Hi, I'm Katie and I'm Brittany. (laughs) Hi, this is Katie. And hey there, this is Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. Grindhouse Girls podcast. Podcast. Yes. Oh, I thought we were starting a jingle. I know, right? Grindhouse Girls Podcast. <laughs> Watch spooky, movies. scary, strange. Give me All the spookiest I've ever seen. Oh. <laughs> um, so, this week, um, Brittany, how are you? I'm good, Katie. How are you doing? Um, <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm making it through life. Have some some hurdles I've had to go through this week, so... Not doing fantastic, but not doing awful either. So, making it one day at a time. I, I understand. I, I, um, oh God, uh, work has been really busy this week, which, uh, we always like to say it's a blessing, but, um, I like to say it's a blessing, but sometimes I feel like I'm going to hit my head as hard as I can against the it's wall. A blessing and a curse. Yes, exactly. This week we're doing like an older movie. It's not old, but it's a movie that, I feel like everybody talks about, but yeah. I had not seen it yet. Um, called Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. Hey, Brittany, before we get into the movie, do we have any housekeeping to take care of? I feel bad. Not that I knew off the top of my head, but I know you are our editing master, Katie. Did you catch anything last week that I may not have? I didn't catch anything editing. I will say I. I keep forgetting to put our hashtags on our Instagram posts, and I realize people are not seeing our posts like they used to. So, I'm sorry, guys. That's my bad. I'm old, and I forget that hashtags are a thing. Did you watch anything fun? Um, I'm trying to think other than the newest episode, WandaVision. So, I did do WandaVision. WandaVision. Yeah, and I really like it. I I do not know this week's episode, this Friday, or the next, or next Friday. It's the last episode. I think it's this week's. Um, I think it's this week. Yeah, I do too. So, I think it's Have you heard the conspiracy theories? I know you've been sending me a couple on TikTok, so. (laughs) TikTok. Thank you, TikTok. Um, Yeah, so apparently in Doctor Strange... There's some magic book missing in the background of a scene, and there's a book that looks just like it in Agatha's basement. So, ooh. ooh. Dr. Strange time. And then, so everyone thinks Dr. Strange is going to show up. And then, which I'm fine. Benedict Cumberbatch can show up anytime. I love that man. Um, as an actor, I don't know him personally. Um, but yeah, I did watch WandaVision. Um, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious what... The big twist is going to be. I liked getting some background. Also, Hayward's an asshole. Um, but, like, I knew Wanda couldn't have actually done all the shit that they said she did. Yeah, exactly. Because Wanda's um, a good person. But I also kind of feel like, as cool as it was getting the background, it felt like a little bit of a waste of an episode. 
Like, I felt like there should be more action the second to last episode, you know? But that's just me, I guess. Yeah. I think it was setting up a lot about, like, how Wanda ticked and, like, why. Which I thought that, like, because of the universe. Because I had told Taylor when we were even watching, I was like, this is very I Love Lucy. In the 90s, I was like, this is very Malcolm in the Middle. So just seeing Mm -hmm. the trunk full of those TV shows, I was like, well, that makes sense because it's her childhood. And that's why it affects, like. So I kind of like, I knew that was probably coming. So I like how this set up, like, a lot of backstory. And I think this is going to see us open up a lot of phase two. I think that's what they're calling this um because phase one ended with um Avengers Endgame and now they're going to phase two stuff in the Marvel so this is probably set up a lot of phase two stuff I would imagine so did Doctor wait don't tell me never mind I still need to watch all the phase one movies all in a row Mm -hmm. so but um but I love WandaVision so I need to watch the Avengers movies because she's part of that arc so I'm excited to see, like, what's going to happen. And um, if they're going to... I don't know if they'll have a season two, but I feel like maybe she'll be in another, like, series. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Like, but not about her. Um, The other... So you didn't watch anything else this weekend? I actually do not remember off the top of my head. I feel bad, but I'm just like, I think everything that's coming to mind I actually saw last week and not this week. Okay. Yeah. Well, so uh, I did finally get further into Shit's Creek, which I started watching when it first came out, and then I just watched the first episode. It didn't super interest me, and I went back and was watching it while I was cooking dinner this weekend, and I watched like four or five episodes in a row, and it's cute. I like it. It's cute. I love I love Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> She's so funny. Um, I've always liked her, but um, I think the first episode, I'm just so annoyed with how bitchy everybody is that I just, like, I can't watch a whole series of this. But they start to be a little less bitchy. Like, they're still bitchy, but they're a little more human as the series progresses. And so I'm looking forward to finishing that. Now that it's completely over, like, I can watch all of it. And then, of course, I was watching Gilmore. I don't, I got into a Gilmore Girls kick this weekend. Um, and then um, <laughs> I, <laughs> something you and I, I finally watched that you wanted me to watch was Sex in the City 2. Ah, uh, yep. Which was just so much. So bad. Yep. It's a lot. It's Okay, first of all, can we talk about the fact that Stanford Blatch had a beautiful, loving husband, not husband, boyfriend in the end of the series. Stanford was dating this really nice guy. They went through like a little tiff because he used to be a male escort in the very last season. But they were, were they not still together at the end I of the series? I thought they were too, yeah. Like, yeah. Forget they them. bought a house in the Hamptons together. And then like in the movie, the boyfriend's nowhere to be seen. I was like, well, it's kind of shitty for them to do that to Stanford. I like Stanford. And no offense to the guy that plays Anthony. I think he's, Dude, does a really good job as that character, but Anthony's always annoyed the shit out of me. So I always loved it when Stanford made fun of Anthony. So anyways, the first scene of Sex the City 2 is Anthony and Stanford getting married. Which felt forced. And then it feels super forced. And then everything's over the top, which that was, that was just funny. But then, like, Liza Minnelli is both officiating and performing the song single ladies at their wedding and reception and that was weird and then it just like and then they're like let's go to abu dhabi and it's just like a tourist like attraction it's just like a, it's just like an advertisement for let's visit the middle east which is i guess okay but 
It felt like a cheap Adam Sandler, like, nowadays movie where he's like, I want to take a vacation, but I want to write off my taxes, so I made a movie in this place. That's how yeah. it felt. And then, and then it also no felt conflict. like they were trying to get Aiden back for a second. Yeah, and reason. I like Aiden, but I don't, like, there was no real conflict. Yeah. Like, Charlotte's like, maybe my nanny who doesn't wear a bra might be cheating with my husband, but no, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Miranda doesn't have any conflict going on that I remember. Oh, she uh, she doesn't like her job because they Oh, she quits her job, her. but yeah. eh, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Um, and then, like, uh, fucking Carrie's like, big, we're too boring. Ah! And I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. Alright. So, I don't know. Just the whole thing was pointless and over the top and just, I just, I don't now I don't want to see the limited series because I'm like, okay, y'all, y'all were fine for the first movie, but the second movie, whew, it was bad. But the other thing I watched, which isn't very scary or spoopy or strange, but I finally saw the new Emma movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Starring yeah. Anya Taylor Joy, it was really cute. Bill Nye plays her, um, her dad, and uh, can't remember Emma, can't remember her last name. But she plays Yara Greyjoy. Um, she plays um, one of her friends. And then ah. Mia Goth, I think, plays yeah. Harriet. And um, it was it was a cute little interpretation. Like, it's very stylistic. And, like, it's very, like, like the editing's very abrupt. But it's definitely not boring. It's very similar to the Gwyneth Paltrow adaptation from the 90s. Like, in mm-hmm. how it's told and stuff. But it is its own beast. And, um, yeah, so it's good. I thought it was good. And then I watched Persuasion for the the 30th time because I was talking to, to our friend Peter about Jane Eyre and Persuasion because I was like, because I like, I like Jane Austen stuff and he's a boy. So I guess boys innately don't like Jane Austen shit. And I was like, Persuasion's good. And he said one of his friends told him to watch this adaptation. I was like, oh, it's probably the one with Sally Hawkins. Um, and it's very good. Also, the guy that plays, uh, Randall on um, Outlander oh, plays yeah. the character, and I forgot he Tobias was Tobias like, Mendez. Yeah, yes, Tobias Mendez, who I really I like. Tobias Mendez, he's been in a lot of really great things, but I forgot he was in this um, the Sally Hawkins adaptation of um, Persuasion <laughs> until I rewatched it this weekend, and I was like, oh, hi Riley. By the way, Riley was looking at the screen; it was really cute. Uh, oh, Riley's like Riley wants to be a part of the conversation. He does, yeah. Oh, <laughs> hi, Riley. I don't know what we were talking about. That's right. We had to take oh, a pause. Oh, uh, we were watching Persuasion, and um, oh, you Persuasion. Watched, yes. Mm-hmm. yes, the Sally Hawkins adaptation, who actually has Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer as her dad, um, and uh, Rupert Penry Jones plays Captain Wentworth. I love Persuasion. It's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice and Emma and blah blah blah. I have, I think I have, maybe not Sandition, which is, like, her unfinished novel, but I have, like, uh, the movie adaptations of almost every Jane Austen book. Um, But I like Persuasion because it was her last book she published, and there's a maturity to how love is found in it instead of, like, I mean... Some of her books are, like, there's, like, a mature love, but some of her books are, like, like, if you look at Sense and Sensibility, I think it's Marianne's, the one that falls in love with um, Willoughby. Um, like, they have this great, like, super 
like can't get enough of you when I see you all the time, like unrestrained relationship, but he ends up like going for money instead of love. But then it's like, it turns out he's an asshole and being distracted by an unrestrained, I won't say love. I'm going to say like a infatuation. Like there's like an infatuation. Like it would have burned out really quickly. And then she ends up falling in love with Alan Rickman's character, who's older than her, but who just, like, patiently, like, likes her, and they have a bunch of stuff in common. Persuasion's kind of like that, except that Anne Elliot only refused Captain Wentworth, not because she didn't love him, but because it was, quote-unquote, imprudent, because he was going off to war, and they were going to get separated, and, like, she was like, I guess that's, that's, and I would want to be separated. But it turns out, like, they're still perfect for each other, but he's kind of mad at her, and, like... They end up becoming friends, and then eventually they, like, rekindle their relationship and end up really happy together. So, I, don't, I like Persuasion. There's a maturity to it. It's not two people falling into infatuation. It's them actually falling into a friendship and into love, um, which is is more realistic, I think. People fuck up, and then they have to ask forgiveness, and that's the thing. It's like she apologizes for all this shit, and he apologizes for all this shit. And, yeah, anyways, it's a great adaptation. I'll probably cut most of that. Uh, <laughs> but oh, uh, I liked it. The Sally Hawkins adaptation is probably the most watchable, although there is a really older BBC one that's cute, and I watched it in college, and I, I thought it was cute, but I, I don't remember. I don't remember if it's actually entertaining. Yes. Um, anyways, let's see. So we talked about what we watched. We talked about housekeeping, and I think we're on to talking about the movie Woo, yeah talking a little bit about this movie okay um so yeah um we of course again are doing uh 2013's under the skin which is on showtime um it originally premiered at the katie was just helping me with this telluride festival i think it's tell you ride tell like, you ride tell festival. you ride i think tell you ride festival so it had its uh, world premiere there in 2013 the movie was released theatrically in 2014 um yeah this was uh, all a flop. It, yeah, it um, was a box office flop. Kind of like how Hereditary was in a lot of ways, where it wasn't very. Uh, it was critically acclaimed, but audience did not like it. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely a movie lovers' movie. I think more than Swallow was. Personally, I think it's definitely like a mixture of all inspiring and boring at the same time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, the scenes that are good are absolutely gripping. They have almost a Stanley Kubrick-esque quality to them. But then some of this time you're like, eh, we're riding in the car. We're riding in the car. So. Yeah, I gotta say, I, <laughs> this movie was not for me. I don't hate it. I think it's well made. I think it's, I, I like a lot of the movie making aspects of it. But the actual movie, I couldn't bring myself to watch fully a second time. I watched some of the scenes over, but I couldn't sit down and make myself watch it twice. Because I just... There's a lot of stuff in the movie, but I just felt like it was a little pretentious. A little bit too vague for me. Um, But I started reading the book. And I'm almost done with it. I have two chapters left. Which I just... I didn't have time to finish before this, but I tried really hard. You know, I got work. But um, I like the book a lot, and I will say the director got some stuff from the book very wrong, which we can talk about that later on. Yeah. Um, 
because I listened to a lot of interviews from him and most things I was like, okay, so he just kind of, he kind of took the idea of the book and went his own way and that's fine, but there's some key character points that he disagrees with and like, I don't know if he just forgot (laughs) about points in the book, but like to me it was a very important part of the book and for him he's like, I mean, but they're not this and I'm like, but they are in the book and we'll talk about it later. Um, Yeah. And there seems to be a lot of, um, when I was reading about this, a lot of uh, people who've read the book and both and watched the movie said, okay, like, uh, both the movie is incredible, the book is absolutely mm-hmm. incredible, but they're two different vehicles. It's kind of like trying to compare the Shining movie to the Shining film. Because the director and the original writer both have very interpre- different interpretations of what it all meant. Um, yes. And yeah. And I I have not had the pleasure of reading the book, um, but I did read quite a few synopsises just to kind of wrap my head around um, kind of where the differences were in the story versus the movie. Um, And I'll I'll kind of get into that just a little bit. So, of course, this movie was written and directed by Jonathan Glazer. Um, It was co-written by Walter Campbell. Uh, Jonathan Glazer is known also for Sexy Sexy Beast, which I had never heard of before. I've heard it's really good. Yeah. they covered it on Sardonicast, and I haven't actually sat down and watched it yet, which is another fabulous podcast you guys should listen to. Um, and I've heard it's really good. Ben Kingsley actually got nominated for an Oscar for his work in that movie. Oh, that's um, awesome. It's like a um, mob thriller. It's like a guy that um, has retired from the mob, and he's asked to come back and do one last job. So um, it's apparently really good. But I haven't. They also all really like this movie, and I thought it was kind of boring. So I don't know what I'll it's, actually think about it. Yeah, I, I I heard it was interesting to read about. Um, now I know he also did Birth, which I actually had heard about Birth, um, mm-hmm. and even seen parts of Birth before this. Um, so he's done three films in thirteen years, um, from start to finish. So it, he's kind of like um, Daniel Day Lewis. And what's our our wonderful female director who did uh, You're Never Really Here? So, uh, I know, I'm looking up right now. Yeah, you're just like, why am I, why am I like, um, waking up? Oh, Lynn, Lynn Ramsey. Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey. Yeah, we did that at the same time. <laughs> yes, um, but before this, Jonathan Glazer did a lot of music videos, um, including Karma mm-hmm. Police by Radiohead, which is probably Karma. his best song. I, I liked it. Um, so he was actually, the first script he was given for this uh, film was actually a very faithful adaptation of the novel. Um, but he had no interest in making that script. So he he said when he, you know, he read that, he's like, I knew then that I absolutely did not want to film the book. But I still wanted to make a book, the book a film. Which I thought was a really enlightening quote. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he didn't really attach himself to the idea of a like completely faithful adaptation of the book. But he mm-hmm. liked the story enough. He liked the premise enough. He still wanted to film it. Mm-hmm. Now, you probably read this already, Katie. But the second script was A Pair of Aliens Masquerading as a Scottish Farmer and Wife. Um, that was the script that Brad Pitt had signed on for. So that was the movie that got a little further into kind of making but then he realized what he wanted, and he threw out that script, and he was like, I realized I wanted to make a film representing as purely as possible an alien view of our world, um, So, which is what this movie is. So when you strip it all down, that's what it all comes down to. Um, mm-hmm. So from the start of this project to the end and the movie being made and released, that was a 10-year venture. Um, so he even said, yes. he was like, and I loved it. There's this interview I read with him, and I can't remember if it was Variety or not, because um, I may be confusing him with Swallow's director. But 
he actually said, because uh, they were things they were bringing up in old interviews, and he's like, yeah, I disagree with that. And they're like, are you a different person than you were when you started this project? He's like, absolutely. Yeah, completely yeah. different person. Well, it's 10 years. Yeah. Also, uh, Scarlett Johansson was, like, on board for it for, like, four of the last years. Like, yeah. she heard about it, like, through the grapevine and was like, she was, she said that she kept asking her agent, like, hey, is that Glazer movie getting made? You know I'm interested in it. And in the meanwhile, she started doing the Marvel movies because um, Scarlett Johansson is pretty much the only consistent character in this film. Yeah. It's very much her vehicle. Um, and she does carry this film beautifully. Yes. Um, I will say I've not been a huge fan of Scarlett Johansson in the past. Um, I saw Lost in Translation. Loved it. Um, but really watched it for Bill Murray. I was not super impressed by her performance. I thought anybody could have played that role, frankly, personally. But I haven't watched it in a really long time, so I might feel differently now. Yeah. And she also played this god-awful character in the movie He's Just Not That Into You, which I know is a stupid movie. Yes. But yeah. I hated her character, and I just was like, ew, I just don't like her. She just doesn't play characters I like. Um, except for the other Boleyn girl. I did like her in the other Boleyn girl. And see, but, like... I think of Scarlett Johansson, and I feel bad. I mean, now, I don't know anything about the woman really personally, um, but as an actress, like, I'm just like, she's had some fucking bomb-ass roles. Like, The Prestige, yes. Vicky, Christina Barcelona, yeah. uh, Black mm -hmm. Widow, Her. She was in Her. Oh, my God, I loved her in Her. She's Which I haven't watched Her yet. Oh, so good. But I know um, what it's about. I just haven't watched it yet. She's literally a discombobulated computer voice, and she's phenomenal in that movie. Yes. You don't see her I at all. I will say, as I've watched her now, and really was Marriage Story. Oh, I God, watched Marriage Story. Story and JoJo Rabbit. Well, that's what I was about to say. So yeah. I watched Marriage Story, mm -hmm. and really, Adam Driver, I think, is the best part of that movie. But she does a really, really good job. They both do a really good job. And I really, really liked that movie. It made me bawl my eyes out. And it was great. Um, but... Then I saw Jojo Rabbit, and then I was still crying. But I don't think she was the best part of Jojo Rabbit, but I thought she was a cute part of Jojo Rabbit. I mean, it's really about uh, Taika Waititi making fun of Hitler. I mean, let's face it. That's probably the best part. Now I've like I've been like, okay, I'm on the ScarJo bandwagon. Okay, she's a good actress. She is a good actress. I just, like, I feel like I saw a lot of her not-as-great roles mm -hmm. and then just kind of was like, I don't, I'm not interested in seeing her, which is not really her fault because she doesn't she prefers independent film like most actors do because you usually get to like hone your acting skills a little bit more it's less boring than doing like i'm sorry marvel movies not marvel movies but like blockbuster movies in general are pretty cut and dry and kind of boring to do a lot of people say so i you she's like i mean because people were interviewing her and she was like they were asking like, oh this is so weird for you to do under the skin she's like uh, not really. I like independent movies. I just lucked out getting cast in the Marvel movies, so that's kind of weird for me. Yeah. So, you know, and she's fucking gorgeous she also. Is. So, like, this movie, you need a woman who is just, like, stereotypically just fucking gorgeous. So, you know, she fits the bill for that. She actually um, agreed to appear naked in this movie, and my understanding is, the, is it was her first on-screen nude role. And the reason she did is because she actually fought. It it made sense for the storyline. So she's not yes. one of those actresses that she'll just agree to be naked to agree to be naked. It has to benefit the character in the storyline. Well, and we as we get into the spoiler section, we can mm -hmm. get a little more into why it's... To this character, it wouldn't mean that much to be naked. Yeah, If that makes definitely. sense. Did you want to elaborate on the author of this original book a little bit? 
Um, I don't know a ton about Michelle Faber, um, except that he is a he's a a, a Dutchman and <laughs> he's a Dutch he's a person from Holland. Um, I don't know. Like Dutchman just makes me think of SpongeBob and the Flying Dutchman. Like I right. Like yeah, but he's he's Dutch, but he mostly writes in the English language, and he's had at least four of his works transformed into either film or television. So, like, he's not, like, new at having his uh, stuff adapted. Um, and also, by the way, the music in this movie, before yes. we get the spoilers, makes the whole movie. Like I loved it. Yeah, it's that's Michael actually... Levy, or Levi, Mika Levi. But it's a female composer. Oh, that's incredible. She, yeah. Like, I I watched the making of documentary was on YouTube. I'm sure, I think it's probably from the DVD features. But she also did the music for the... I haven't watched it yet, but it's definitely on my list. There was a miniseries called Small Axe. She did the music for one of the episodes. And then the movie Jackie. She also did it. Oh. And she's a professional cellist. And yes. So you can hear a lot of the string. Like the music is what makes everything so creepy in the sound design. Yes. Is phenomenal. So like it, the movie if you want to hear really cool sound design and visuals, see cool visuals and music, that's really like everything about how this movie was made, I love. It's just it's it's a little lofty for an afternoon i would say you know it, it's one of those movies you gotta settle in and i think it is made to be watched multiple times um was there anything else you want to talk about before we get into spoilers not because really i don't feel like we really we do have a synopsis um, uh, i guess we should give that out yeah so i'll give the synopsis i will just say um also um other than scarlett johansson which is uh what katie already said she she plays the woman um and she is the vehicle in this movie there is a lot of actors, but none of them are real professional actors. As in, there's multiple like two IMDb. or three professional. Yeah, actors. we have Jeremy uh, McWilliams as the bad man, who um, mm-hmm. is kind of well. Going to spoilers is definitely possibly a coworker of the woman's. Um, he's actually a professional Grand Prix motorcycle racer, but he's not an actor. They basically got him for the motorcycle riding in this movie. Yeah, you know yeah. something cool they were talking about in the making of. There's this, like, secret cyclist. Like, he's kind of like the Banksy of motorcycling. Um, And they tried to get him to be this part. And they found him. And they had a Skype meeting with him. And then he just disappeared. So this guy was actually their second choice. But they they were like, they knew this guy. And they're like, oh, okay, he can do this. Yeah, he's Um, reliable. Um, Yeah. There's also Adam Pearson, um, who plays a man um, who has... And Katie, if I'm mispronouncing... Facial Katie's, deformities. Yeah, Katie's better at pronunciation than I am, but uh, neurofibromatosis, neurofibromatosis, um, which is... It causes non-cancerous... It causes non-cancerous tumors to grow on nerve tissues. Um, so kind of imagine, like, almost huge uh, masses under the skin. Um, so, yeah. Oh, did you just say the title? Yeah, I know. She did it. She said it. She, <laughs> she said it. She said it. Um, um, but yeah. He, he, he also works for BBC4. That's cool. Yeah, so he works as a casting researcher and is a guest host um, sometimes on um, a talk show called The Bedtime Babble On. So yeah, he has a pretty lucrative career. And um, we will get, I won't spoil it, but the part in this movie I thought was really interesting that he was in is that he actually kind of had a say. So, um, but we'll get, we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, uh, those are the actors I just want to touch on a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
And there's course- not a whole lot of actors. Mm-mm. Like, they did a lot of... Oh, the other cool thing we forgot to mention is there was a lot of hidden camera yes. work in this movie. Like, it's like man on the street kind of stuff because the, most of the movie is Scarlett Johansson's character driving around Scotland. And yeah, this was mainly um, done with hidden camera work. Um, So... A lot of the men in this movie, as we will get to, were actually not actors. They were men that Scarlett Johansson actually picked up in the van. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, or they were real people that came by. Mm-hmm. Or, like, she just, like, talked to people in the street. I guess they have less strict rules in England than they do <laughs> here about filming people. Um, but, yeah, do you want to go through the synopsis really quick? And then we'll, like, talk about spoilers. Because it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about spoilers. Yeah. Um, so, of course, once again, we are talking about 2013's Under the Skin. It is on Showtime. It is a 24 film, which is slowly becoming one of my favorite yes. uh, filmmaking companies. And that being said, um, so, Under the Skin, a woman, not at all of this world, drives around <laughs> Scotland and attempts to lure men into her van and later seduce them. However, not everything is is as it seems, and as the woman falls into a deeper sense of self-discovery, it threatens to destroy much more than her mission. Ooh. So, I guess with that spoopy introduction, we're going to go into spoilers. Spoilers. Three, two, one. We are officially in spoilers. So, we open up in the movie. It has a very, like, Kubrick-esque beginning. There's a small pinpoint, and we hear a woman's voice practicing certain letters. Uh, we see what um, is called the bad man on the motorcycle. He, um, he gets a woman out of the ditch. We don't really know if the woman is dead or paralyzed um but she um he takes her back and we see scarlett johansson for the first time the woman character uh she strips the original woman of her clothing um i love this scene because we see scarlett johansson nude she is she's a beautiful woman but she looks very real in the sliding she has like dimples and lines um and so um the woman the woman that was first gotten out of that she's like blinking and crying which I think I may know what's happening by the end of the movie, so I'll come back to that. Um, but she sees an ant, and she's mesmerized. Um, after this scene, the woman, when I say the woman, I'm referring to Scarlett Joe's character. Mm-hmm. She goes to the mall. She gets some clothes. She gets some lipsticks. Um, and then she's just driving around looking for some dudes. Mostly the men she are looking for are thin. They're young. They're lean. Um, they have thick Scottish accents, um, which actually put the same note, which kind of puts us in the same position as her because mm-hmm. we they kind of we don't really understand every word they're saying. We understand every other word, um, mm-hmm. and it seems like we very quickly, as the audience, realize that she's very predatory in her actions because she's targeting men that like they're like they live alone or they don't have family waiting for mm-hmm. them they don't have friends waiting for them so and she's asking and she does it so well she's just super friendly like oh so you're not you're meeting your wife oh i don't have a wife oh you don't oh and she just acts like she's picking them up it's so creepy it's like watching a pedophile pick something up like it's disgusting yes um she's scary <laughs> She is. And, of course, like we elaborated, uh, there's hidden cameras. There's uh, These are real men in most of these scenes and not actors, which kind of makes me think, I'm like, oh, you could lure a man really easily with a pretty face. Like, <laughs> that was the only thing I was thinking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think most people knew what was going on, but they got them off the street. Yeah. I think they would have had to have them sign something. But it was also Scarlett Johansson's idea to have her have black hair because she's not as recognizable because she generally has blonde or like light brown hair. So she doesn't really look like 
her, which I think helped. Yeah. Um, and there is, like, like when we start out, when she's being created or whatever we want to see, where we see this eyeball, um, there's a, at least one person who's like, oh, it's something about your eyes. I just really like your eyes. And, like, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. And, like, her eyes are kind of emotionless the whole mm-hmm. time. And it's like, oh, does she have no soul? It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think the coolest part of this whole movie is when she takes a man back to her place. Yeah. And so the first, <laughs> so the first victim, he gets in the car with her. And he seems like, it's funny because he seems like an average kind of bloke that's like, yeah, like feeling pretty kind of like cool. Like here I am next to this pretty mm-hmm. girl. And so I thought this scene was very interesting because he's sitting in the car next to her and then immediately it cuts to a scene and the passenger seat's now empty. Um, mm-hmm. so his death happens, his death, whatever we want to call it, his harvesting happens off screen. Victim two, though, is with the scene Katie's talking about, which are these, um, incredible scenes. So, um, these scenes, she leads them back to these kind of dilapidated homes, um, and everything's black. Like, there's, everything in the room is black except for her and, and the man. Yes. Do you want to describe? Like, reflective? I don't, and the thing is, I was watching the making of, because I wanted to see how they made this, Mm -hmm. because the effects are so seamless, but basically, like, she, it's almost like walking into the void. It was interesting, because when you first see her, when she's stripping the other woman of all her clothes to put, wear her clothes, um, everything's white, like Mm -hmm. creation, and this is, like, the void. And so it's this reflective, almost, like, mirror-like surface, and it seems like, okay, that's pretty cool. And she starts taking off her clothes, and the men start taking off their clothes. And once they have all of their clothes off, and she's further away from them, they're fall like she leads them further and further into the void, and they just start sinking in like it's water, and they don't even notice. Yeah. So I'm guessing there's some kind of hypnosis going on. In the book, it's it's very different, and I will go into what the book says. The book's more practical. We'll just put that unbelievable. But, and then they just sink in, and then she can walk right over the water that they just sunk into. It's so cool. Yeah. It's just really creepy. And the music is just these cool, like, strings going, you've heard the music. Everyone's heard the music. It's great. It's like, da-da-da. it sounds like almost like a broken record because at at one point it's like a scratch it's like and i'm like oh um it it definitely sets the mood i want to point out something i pointed this out to my husband and he goes yeah i do agree with that something else i love about these scenes is every time the man is erect which i like that because i'm like they think they're about to get it on and i love that detail because it's not also, always something you see in movies. No, and I also was like, th- I didn't really notice it until, I was more just like, I was looking at everything the mm-hmm. first time I was watching it. And the second time I was watching those scenes, I was like, oh, he's like has a boner. Okay. Yeah. That is, all right. I mean, I was like, attention to detail. Yeah, yes. But exactly. I was also like, which I, I appreciate, but because usually like if you see a dick in a movie, it's, it's very flaccid. Yeah. And you're just like, Okay. Um, but, but I was like, that must have been kind of awkward on set. That's all I could think about was on set. I wonder like, if they had fluffers. Oh, prof- that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> I was like, did they, or did they just say like, hey, bud, can you, can you go get to half mast and then come back and do the scene? Right. Um, 
That doesn't look like it's a fake dick either, like no. that scene from Friends. They where all he look tried di- to put on a fake penis. They all look different enough that they they are they are definitely yeah. real. Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe it wasn't hard because, or it was hard because Scarlett Johansson was like half naked. I mean, I don't know. Um, but yes, yeah, that was an interesting bit of detail. I liked it. And uh, after this scene, so after we, um, after she, we see what she kind of does, what she leads these men back and kind of what happens, um, we get to um, the very infamous beach scene, which actually, I watched this movie twice um, and did avert my eyes the majority of this scene um, because it made me so uncomfortable. Um, So for me, it's very traumatic and unsettling, but it's a very brilliant scene. Um, So what it is, is that, uh, the woman's at the beach, and she's watching a man kind of surfing, and she's like, oh, you know, where's some good places to surf? And he goes, you know, oh, I'm not a surfer. I'm visiting from the Czech Republic. And she's like, what brings you to Scotland? And there is a man and his wife and their baby on the beach, and their dog is, like, fetching something in the waves. And so it's already he's set up he's the perfect victim because he's kind of like a vagabond. He's in a different country. Well, the next thing you know, we kind of see the dog is too far out. And the way this was filmed, um, everyone who knows me knows I'm a huge animal lover. And a lot of times when you see animal violence in movies, it's very fake looking. Um, the way this is filmed with these kind of natural uh, incognito cameras, I'm like, is that dog being swept out too far? Um, it's very oh, unsettling. Not. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't also, the other thing that bothered me, I couldn't find any information about the dog. So, you know, I will say I've watched that scene twice. I never noticed the dog. I thought the woman was just, I thought the wife was just out too far. No, so what it is, the dog gets swept out too far. That makes more sense now. So yeah, the dog goes out too far, so then the woman, the wife of the other couple, because they mention them later, so it's his wife. Yeah. The wife starts chasing after the dog, and then the wife starts getting swept under. Yeah. And then the husband goes after the wife. And yeah. then he starts getting swept under, so the surfer guy, well, not surfer, the Czech Republic guy goes after them to save him. And the baby is, like, crying on the beach. And, like, the one of the, I think, producers was, like, he said that, like, the baby, like, just stood up at some point. And he was, like, it was so devastating to watch because it's, like, the child knew that he needed to, like, like get out of that situation. So, anyways, so the, both the man and the woman and the dog are all lost. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I think what was like, kind of like, the way the scene is also filmed is like, you see, because, you know, it's like ScarJo and this, uh, this man are having this conversation and he's kind of alerted by like, frantic screaming. And so what it is, and I'm like, this would be me too. The woman's screaming in panic and fear because she's watching her dog get swept out. And I too would be that person that would go after my dog. Like, I wouldn't think sec- a a second moment about it. But then it's like Katie said, the man goes after, he's panicking, and the baby just left on the beach. And of course, like the Czech Republic guy, it's because he's a good person, he goes and rushes after, and the first person mm-hmm. he gets to is the husband. And the thing is, because the woman's alien, she's just a true bystander. Like she doesn't know how to react. Like it's such a scary thing to think about because a normal person in the situation would be screaming. They would like be grabbing the baby, probably holding the baby, comforting Mm -hmm. it. Nothing. It's just mass chaos. And she's just standing there. 
And yeah, she's watching like we're watching. Yeah, and it's just awful. And so afterwards, um, the man, he, the the Trex Republic man, saves the husband, and he just goes right back into the water to try to get his wife. And so the man mm-hmm. is spent on the beach, like he's exhausted. He just put all his effort into trying to save this guy, and the woman, Scarlett Joe's character, just goes up and bashes him over the head and drags his body away. And while the baby cries. While the baby just screams and cries. Like, it is... It's pretty tra- awful. Yeah, it's traumatic. Um, I don't know why that scene unsettled me so much, but it, it did. Um, the real thing that got me the first time was watching her hit him over the head. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that scene. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's an interesting scene, though. Yeah. Yeah, so victim three, surfer, not surfer. This fourth victim is the one she falls into a nightclub, and I really like the transition because he, he's it's so stupid because it's like he almost could have got away because he doesn't even realize she's following him, and then, like, he follows her when she mm-hmm. gets to the nightclub, and he's like, you're alone, I'm alone. She's you pretty. Take yeah, she's pretty. And so it has this brilliant transition where he's dancing like this in the nightclub. Oh, and then yeah. he's just dancing in like the black void. In like the void. This. Yeah. Yeah. And then he just disappears. Yeah. yeah that was pretty funny. And he's, uh, but he's the one that we, we actually see what happens when they sink under. So he's the one. Just, so I didn't know this. I thought this was the Czech Republic man that is under the water. But it's actually her first victim that we yeah. see under the water. And it's such a beautiful moment um because it's like the the nightclub man it's like his eyes are blinking he has no idea what the fuck is going on he literally watches her walk over him and he's just floating in this like darkness and he sees this person in front of him and his first instinct is to reach out and like touch him Mm -hmm. like he's so afraid that like masculinity Mm -hmm. is stripped and he just goes to like hold his hand like that's touching Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's so touching, but then... No, I think it is. Yeah. But then he also gets really scared and, like, goes away. And that's where you see, like, the guy, he's kind of bloated. And then he's just, like, everything inside of him is sucked out of him. And he's just a skin suit floating. Oh, it's terrifying. Really it's terrifying. It's, it's really awful. And then you see all this meat, like, red meat almost get sucked into a dimension. So I think, I think in the movie, what they're trying to tell us is she's... Not a, like, they don't physically travel, like, in a spaceship. They're traveling, like, interdimensionally, like, almost like, like, Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty kind of stuff, because, like, everything's traveling. It almost reminded me of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where, um, when they have the television kid, mm-hmm. and he's in the air, Mike TV. floating above. Yeah. yeah. Remember that part, mm-hmm. where he turns into the little, like, he gets shrunk? That's kind of what I like. It, the visual reminding me of is like, oh, he's going over us. He's everywhere. It's kind of like that. Um, whereas in the book, it's very like much. They have a spaceship. They in the in the book too. The kinds of men she goes after are completely different because she wants fat men to oh. fatten up for their meat. Because uh, so okay, so because the author is Dutch. Um, a lot of the things that the the language differences, like, um, are Dutch words. Like, she calls humans bodsels, and they call themselves human beings. They see humanity as basically cattle. Yeah. They, they don't look like humans. They look humanoid, but they're more canine than humanoid. And they're actually surgically altered 
if well, they come down the planet. I imagine that would give you all kinds of, like, body dysmorphia issues. Yeah, and now I can get into, we'll get into it more when we get to the end, because I think it makes more sense, but I found it really weird, because, like, the, 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 all the men, okay, so here's the thing, like, Scarlett Johansson, we're gonna have a beautiful woman, because she, that's who they would pick, because that's a person who can easily seduce men into leaving with her so she can trap them. But in the book, like when they surgically alter her, basically like they give her giant porn boobs because that's the magazine they have. And she makes a mention, like I never saw another woman ever with boobs as big as mine. So like she, she's, she's way more like pornographic looking. Um, But the men that she, gets are like kind of slobby fat men because they're going to be harvested for meat because vodsol meat is like a delicacy on their planet so it's awful because basically what they do is like they capture men they castrate them cut their tongues out and like hobble them basically and have them live in pens like cattle until they're fat enough to be slaughtered and then they send the meat on a spaceship to their home planet. Um, which there is a spaceship in this movie at the very beginning. Like, but you just see the lights. You don't really see the ship itself. So it's very vague about, like, exactly what's going on. Um, so I guess the spaceship drops people off. But then interdimensionally sends meat. Through. That's, like, these things in this movie that look very pretty. But they don't make any sense. And in the book, like, it makes sense. And it's much more of a more human interaction. Because it's much more... Um, organic because like they actually physically have to hobble these people and cut it's awful um, but the other thing is when she was surgically altered she still has her genitals but because of how they had to cut her tail off it's covered up by skin now so she doesn't have access to her genitals which is like it's it, but she's also very much a woman and she, there's a lot of things she's ta- thinking about, like, everyone else in their outfit that this... It's a corporation, by the way, sending these people. Um, everyone else is a man. She's the only woman in this whole operation. And so she's very much about how men treat women and, like, being a woman, even if you're not a human woman. It's very much about that. And so I got kind of mad because Jonathan Glazer was like, well, she's not a she. She's an it. And I was like, no, she's not. She's a woman, and don't you dare belittle her. So I think Jonathan Glazer maybe doesn't understand that she's a woman, and Jonathan it's very Glazer, much a woman. Yeah, Jonathan Glazer could say that, but I don't think from my what I got from Scarlett Johansson's portrayal of this role, I did not feel that at all. Yeah, I don't know why he said it in like the making of documentary, like, and I was like. She's not an it. She's a she. Even if she's a different species, yeah. she's still a she. And there is an inherent, if you're an intelligent species at least, there's an inherent, like, battle of the sexes. I hate saying it, but there is a little bit always. Yeah. Let's just say a, a healthy rivalry. At the beginning, she really does think that the Vod souls, the human beings, us, that we're just like cattle that can talk. But she starts to realize because the son of the leader of the corporation comes and lets loose a bunch of the vaudsels and they have to go kill them all because they they've escaped and he kind of points out to her like 
I didn't even know they had a language because one of them writes mercy in the dirt. But basically, the what the corporation has fed everyone on their planet is that human beings don't have language. They're not intelligent creatures. They're basically just walking, talking vegetables. And so he's figuring out, no, they're intelligent beings and we shouldn't be killing them. And she's kind of getting persuaded to that. Which I just find, I think that's really interesting. And it kind of happens in the movie, but in a very different way. Yeah. Like, it's more about her wanting to be a human than her wanting to spare humanity, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. In the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, sorry, I went on a tangent. But I've... No. The book's decent. I, I luckily... I have a ton of Audible credits, and so I was like, oh, I'll listen to it. If you like science fiction, highly recommend the book. It is very science fiction-y. Um, and it's pretty disturbing, but not in the same way the movie is. Like, it doesn't give me an icky feeling, but it did make me feel kind of sad. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. So we have seen the victims. We know kind of what happens to them. Yeah. And then I think this is the point where she meets Adam. So, uh. Adam's character. So this is, it's very, very close. So after that incident, she's kind of sitting in traffic and she gets um, a rose from a man over in another car. And she realizes the man selling roses that has blood on his hands and she gets blood on her hands from the thorns of the roads. And so she picks up another victim. This is the fifth victim. This is the victim you were talking about that mentioned something about her eyes. Like, he's like, your eyes are just awesome. And so afterwards... We have, um, and the only thing I can think of is that we see the bad man, we see her, they're looking at each other face to face, and I'm like, they just must be, like, talking telepathically or verse in their language, because the scene itself is very tense. Like, the, the man, the bad man seems upset with her, we just don't know mm-hmm. the context of it, um, I think in my head, what I'm thinking is going on in this scene, um, there's no proof to this, I think it's the first time that she's probably questioning him on what they do it's probably Perhaps. like she sees like yeah. the blood and she's kind of questioning him so he storms off and this is the this is victim so the the victim sick victim six adam is the the form man um mm-hmm. and this was really i really really liked this part um so mm-hmm. she picks him up off the street and because she's an alien she doesn't really understand the idea of deformity like, she, it doesn't, right. she, she understands he's different, but she's not looking at him as an unattractive person. Um, and so, this scene um, really broke my heart reading about it afterwards, because it tor- turns out that Adam had given them ideas on how he could be seduced in a situation like this. Um, so, Aww. in the scene, she mentions, like, she's like, you have really nice hands. Do you want to touch me? And she just very gently takes his hand, like, puts it to her face, and then on her neck. So it's not like, it's more of just like human touch. It's not like an erotic mm-hmm. scene. Um, mm-hmm. But that kind of broke my heart, like honestly. Yeah, this is probably my favorite sequence. Because then, so she does capture him, but then she lets him go. Yeah, and did you know something about this scene too? So when she's in the void with him, she actually strips naked completely naked yes like she hadn't done that with anybody else and it's almost like i don't know if she feels more comfortable with him or she just wants to give him more because she empathizes with him yeah i think it's partially he she empathizes with him because it's him because of who he is but i think also it's a little bit more like she's finally he's like the the 
the nail in the coffin of she wants to not do her job anymore because she's realized that these creatures are people like she is. Yeah. And that she doesn't want to do it anymore and she is connecting. Yeah. Cause um, there is... I don't think she necessarily wants to be human though. Like that's no. what a lot of people say. And I'm like, I don't think it's that. I think she has an empathy with humans. Yeah. Maybe she wants to be human, but I think it's more of an empathy. Cause there's like a scene I didn't really write down, but it happens right before the Adam scene. And I think after the, uh, Oh, where she falls. Yeah. She like, she falls, but yes. she's also paying attention to like women and children, which is the first time mm-hmm. she's done that throughout the entire movie. Yes, there's a bunch of, like, yeah, close-ups of, like, a bunch of women talking together and, and smoking. Then and she falls, and all these people rush to her aid, and she's, like, she kind of has an existential crisis. She's, like, oh, why are they all helping me? What the fuck? And, I mean, like, again, she's an employee, like, and that's what, like, I think the shitty thing is, like, I'm pretty sure the first woman that she takes her clothes was probably also doing the same job and either got sick of it and was deactivated or somehow, like, flung herself off a cliff or something. But yeah. she seemed to be still alive when she was stripping her clothes off because she was crying. So I assume they have... Because in the book, she has, like, a self-destruct button. Mm-hmm. And I assume maybe they can... Maybe there's something, like, some kind of mind control device where maybe they can deactivate you. Because um, he knew exactly where she was. Yeah. Like, the... The biker guy. Yeah, and I think they're... And because of this Adam scene, so and what, what Katie's talking about, she lets him go. Um, and he... he she I guess there's like a... I don't know why the hell this is the way it is, but it is. But she lets him go, but she doesn't give him his clothes back. So I don't know if like... Yeah. Maybe if she thought like the clothes were laying on top of the void that like maybe they were like, oh, she got him. I don't know. But she just was like basically let him go. and He just runs. But the... Um, Bad man, or that's why I just keep calling him because um, that's what I saw him listen. Yeah, I just find it funny that he's he's the bad man on IMDb. Yeah, but he's just the biker on everywhere else. It's just interesting. Yeah, he's probably the bad man in the script, though. Yeah, maybe that's what they call him in the script too. But the bad man uh, intercepts Adam as he's coming through a yard, and yeah. he puts him in his trunk, and like, and, and it's trunk of a car he basically hijacks, and it's just mm-hmm. like he doesn't. And I guess the thing is, is that the separation between the two of them, between the woman and the bad man, is that the woman is starting to feel remorse, but the bad man doesn't. Mm -hmm. He still views us as cattle, essentially. Which, that's basically, they take the scene that's them trying to round up four different escaped bodsels and just have one person. Which makes it more empathetic and more sad. So, I think that was a good adaptation. Um, definitely. I think I really like Adam's character, and I can't remember if there's a character like him in the book, or if I just haven't gotten to that part yet. Is he, again, is he supposed like to be, chapters. like, kind of like the son, in a way? Like, he's the one that makes her see the difference in... Yeah, I mean, the son kind of is the one that lets all the bod souls, the humans, out. Um, mm-hmm. so she, she ends up, I think this is where she runs away. Yes. And she abandons her van, and she just starts walking... And she starts trying to be a human. Yeah. And there's a sequence kind of. uh, where she, like, the first thing she does, which, I mean, seems legit to me. She goes to a nice restaurant and she orders a absolutely beautiful piece of cake. I know. It had fancy fruit on it and everything. I know. And it's like she holds it up to, like, her perfectly lipstick mouth. And she eats it <laughs> and then just, like, cocks it back up instantly. So it's yes. obviously um, eating's not her thing. It's not something that she does. 
Um, so she kind of is having this existentialistic crisis where I am not for sure if like her leaving her job is punishable by death, but obviously whatever it is punishable by is not good. Um, so she ends up getting on a bus to nowhere. And because this is Scotland and, um, it probably seems like in the fallish months, it, uh, is freezing cold. Uh, the bus driver himself mm -hmm. is even like, don't you, don't you need a heavier jacket or something? Yeah. And there's a very friendly man on the bus and he keeps kind of pestering her. Um, and he ends up taking her to the grocery and to his home, but he's a genuinely nice guy. He sets her up in his yes. bedroom. Yeah. Gives her tea. Um, and then he does the dishes. It's just, like, very, like, nice. And then he, like, takes her to this castle in the next day. And he, like, carries her yes. over the puddle. And you're like, oh. But he, there's also this cool scene where she's uh, alone in his bedroom. And she takes her clothes off and starts actually, like, looking at herself as a human. And she's just kind of like, look at me. Oh, I kind of like being a human. Like, she's trying it on. Yeah. Trying on being a human. And it's interesting because it's not like she's like, oh, look at my breasts. Because I feel like for the male gaze, a lot of times we would have, like, a character that, like, said, the enamored wear breasts. And it's you, and it, her, it was interesting because it was a lot about her feet and her kneecaps mm -hmm. and her hips. So, yes. like, really the full range of motion kind of in her body. Yes. Yeah. And then there's this interesting scene where they go to the castle... And then they come back home, and it gets a little romantic. And you know, she's trying to be a human. They try to have sex, and they can't because she takes a lamp. And I, I think this is just like in the um, book, like her genitals are either missing, or because that's the thing in the book. She says like it would look like female genitalia. But there's nothing actually there. Also, like, she has no feeling in her, like, breasts. Like, someone attacks her, and they're, like, playing with her boobs, and she's like, I don't feel anything. Yeah. So, to placate them, she has to be like, ooh, mmm, yes. Um, so, like, it's, it's basically just, like, you know, she did have boobs that felt things, but they took them off and made fake ones for her. Um, to look more human. Um, anyways, but so it's kind of like she's like, I guess I can't really be a human woman because I can't even like, like, because I mean, sex is a very basic human interaction. Yeah. It's not in a basic in a bad way, but like it's, it's standard. Everybody has sexual feelings and it's something that, you know, life revolves around. Obviously, by the simple fact that you have sex and you have babies. Yes. But also, like, relationships honestly revolve around sex or lack thereof or blah, 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 blah. And so it's a very basic human interaction. It's something she can't – I mean, she could interact with, but she has limitations. Exactly. And she realizes that she's limited. And I think she starts to see that maybe she's not as superior yeah. as she thought she was. And then she kind of runs off. Yeah, and God bless and her because she's still wearing the coat the guy gave her. I know. Else it's freezing. But she's walking through this forest. And this is kind of the ending sequence. And she passes. I knew this guy was bad news. Yeah. She passes this guy, the logger character. And he's like in like construction kind of gear. But not like full. Just like a construction like coat. Like a bright yellow coat. And he's like, yeah, this is a great place to get lost. All the paths are well marked. She's like, oh, thanks. Yeah. And she finds a cabin in a the bothy. woods. A, a what? A bothy. 
Okay, a bomb feed. Yeah, they're um, they're in Scotland. Uh, in Scotland, I will <laughs> explain. So there's like basically in like rural areas or in the middle of the woods or like way out in the highlands. There's just these kind of little homes that are set up that act as housing to protect you from the elements. Yeah, and there's a little sign that says any travelers are welcome to stay here. So she she feels safe. And this actually is a scene in the book too, where she like goes out to this like. Area, remote area but not the same thing doesn't happen but she does like in the castle is also a thing that she likes to go take naps in in the book um because there's not a lot of people around um so she's like asleep and she's kind of dreaming and it's very pretty and there's a bunch of like forest imagery and she's kind of like in her dream she's like floating off into the trees and shit and it's great and then um she wakes up and the uh, logger man is trying to molest her and so she runs away. And this is the book differs very much from this point. So, um, so she runs away. She runs into the forest, and he chases her. And she tries to. She finds his truck, and she tries to get his key so she can drive it. And she doesn't get it in time. And he ends up like tackling her to the ground, and he tries to rape her. And as he's grabbing at her, he rips her flesh suit. And it turns out she's. Wearing a flesh suit, which is completely different in the book. She doesn't have a flesh suit. Um, in the book, they use the phrase under the skin. I like the way they use it a little bit better. Although I will say the movie and book are very different, but they're both equally good. Um, like they're, I don't think one's better than the other. I just prefer the fact that it's much more symbolic because like the guy, um, the son of the corporation owner who like talks about her, she's like, she says about herself when she meets him, he still looks like her alien species. And she says, we're all the same under the skin after all. Like in her head. Because she wants to believe that she's still the same as all of them. Even though she looks like a human. And he says the same thing to her about the humans. Like under the skin, we're all the same, right? And so it's much more of a symbolic thing of unity. As like, we're all the same even if we look different. I like that. In the movie, though, it's much more literal, <laughs> where she's literally wearing a, a Scarlett Johansson skin suit, and she takes off the skin suit after she's scared him away, and she's like, she looks humanoid, but she's all black. Yeah. Like her hair. And this is the part that I don't like. Okay, but this is the part, so when she's holding the uh, skin suit in her hands... It's kind of blinking, and it looks like it's crying, yeah. which kind of reminds me of the woman so in the beginning. So it's like, did they skin a human? Probably. Yeah. Our, I think maybe they skinned a human. I, I, it could be like what they do to the men. The skin or are just left it? over. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just reuse them. Um, again, that's not what happens in the book. They surgically alter them yeah. to look like, yeah, it's plastic surgery. Um, but also they look like canine. So, like, they permanently lengthen them, like, make them upright. And that's what she has a lot of, like, pain all the time, too. Um, yeah, so then the the logger man, like, she's kind of, like, looking at herself and, like, oh, I guess I'm not a human. And she's kind of having this moment. And then the logger man comes up behind her and dosses her with gasoline and sets her on fire. And this is when I don't like the movie. Because do aliens not know stop, drop, and roll? Taylor said the same thing. Taylor said the, the exact same thing. Like, I'm sitting here just watching stop, this, like, drop, roll. like shaking my head. And Taylor's like, stop, drop, There's roll. There's a field of snow next to her. Yeah. There's a field of snow next to you, honey. 
But it is symbolic because as she burns into ashes, her ashes go up into the air and become part of the earth that she thinks is beautiful. Which does happen in the book, apparently. In the book, the book's a little better at foreshadowing because she is always driving in a car the whole movie. And she's a very cautious driver in the book. She is extremely careful. Um, She rides with her boss when they're getting the the escaped vodsels. And... Like, she's, like, nervous that he's such a erratic driver. And in the middle of the book, she almost gets into a car wreck and doesn't. And it really shakes her. And she ends up, like, falling asleep at the wheel, like, later on, like, taking a nap in her car because she's so traumatized by that. Um, And so it's, like, set up that something in the car is going to happen. And in the book, she picks up a hitchhiker who needs to get to their wife or something and she's driving faster than she usually would and carelessly and she gets into a car accident and since no one can see all the things are in her van she hits the self-destruct button but she's like she makes her own choice and she's at peace with the fact that she's going to be absorbed into the atmosphere as she burns up like she it brings her peace thinking that because she likes the earth and she wants to be a part of it yeah in the movie it's just some jackass who rapes her she does get raped in the book it doesn't happen it happens like 3 chapters prior to the end um but it doesn't quite ruin her look on humanity but it does really unsettle her because she has to kill him she kills him in the book which i prefer i kind of i think it was a little bit of a over dramatic way to be like men and humanity can be awful like him raping her and then burning her alive yeah in the movie yeah and I think that's what upsets me about, like, the ending, too, is that, like, she could have, like, I don't really know if she would have ever had, like, peace because I don't know if her boss would have hunted her down and killed her. If, like, maybe that's... Oh, I'm sure. Maybe that's what happened to the first woman. Maybe she started to see the, the humanity, too. Mm-hmm. You know? So maybe this... I think so. Yeah, maybe this is something that always happens to these women. Um, but at the same time, like, she probably would have, like, started protesting this if she had lived too because obviously she was starting to see the difference um so i mean i it's kind of sad to think what could have been but also there was really going to be no other resolution for her other than death yes i just don't like how she died i think in the book it's it's one foreshadowed a lot better Mm -hmm. with the car stuff and then two it makes sense to bring it back full circle too because half the movie she's just driving around in a car picking up men it would make more sense yeah but i i it kind of seemed out of nowhere that she died yeah. at the end. I felt like it was... But maybe they're trying to make her seem like more like a human because even she can't control other people hurting her. And her skin suit's ruined, so what's she going to do now? You know? So, I don't know. I, it seemed a little over the top. A little too much toxic masculinity for me. But you know but, what? It's, you know. I think it actually did a good job of balancing that because, I mean, obviously we saw the man who took care of her was a good man and obviously Adam was a good man. Yes. Yes. It did. And the man but, that I mean, her and on the street too that like when she I fell. guess we weren't ever going to have a happy ending to this movie. Yeah. Or this book. But yeah, so what did you have a rating for this movie? Yeah, I did. I actually had um, a Grindhousey Girls rating. Um, I would say, Ooh. so we got Spoopy, Scary, or uh, Strange. Is that our three? Yes. Strange. This one definitely falls under Strange. Um, yes. Yeah. A second Strange. I agree. Yes. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, I actually had two ratings. Um, I gave it a B for being human and bad men. 
And then I also gave it a U for unlucky guys and unsettling scores. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. Um, I What was your out of 10? Uh, eight. So I gave it a six out of 10. Oh. I just think it's not going to be super enjoyable for most people. It's beautiful, yeah. but it's just like I didn't enjoy the experience. I I was – it felt like a chore. This, fair sorry, enough. It is. No, it's fair enough. Um, but I do think it's visually stunning and yeah. it's a really good film, but I just think most people are going to find it boring. Unless you just really want to see Scarlett Johansson naked, then okay, go for it. But again, it's not gratuitous. Yeah. Like I, I don't feel like – I don't feel – any part of anyone being nude in this movie is gross or overly sexual, even though they are preparing to have sex. I don't think it's overly sexual, and I don't think it's gratuitous. Um, but mine was, okay, I had two. I had rated S for stop, drop, and roll. Oh. And rated N for nude scenes and never never go into the forest. Oh. I also had rated N for nudity and nomads. Oh, I kind of like the, I, I like the S. I think that's funny, but that may be a very, it may be a spoiler alert. I don't know. Maybe a spoiler. Yeah. Yes. So. What was your second one? Uh, unlucky guys and un- unsettling scores. I think we should do that one. Yay. It's been a hot minute since I've had a GGP rating. No, you, you had one like two weeks ago, I think. I thought it was maybe three at this point. I could be wrong. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, okay. I gave it, so my kind of final verdict is, um, an incredible visual movie. The score is wonderful. Yes. Sound design is amazing. Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. carries this movie with a very strong, uh, centric performance. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it's very awe-inspiring, but it's also frustrating as well. Um, the frustrating yeah. part is probably why I gave it a little bit of a lower rating. Like, it could have easily been a nine, but it is a little bit of a drag in some places. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That's why I gave it a six. I don't think we see a lot of movies nowadays that uh, have. I'm sorry, I keep saying this. That have a very Kubrick vibe to them. I think that's kind of cool to see homages like that nowadays. Yeah, um, but I feel like Kubrick had more plot in his. Movies. Fair enough. Like more stuff happens. Fair enough. So I'm enraptured when I watch a Kubrick film. Um, I was kind of like, what's happening? I will say the first time I watched it, I because I hadn't read the book before I watched it the first time, it did keep me, my attention because I was like, what's happening? Kind of like the Black Coat's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, they're both kind of slow. I'm sorry. I think, I think everything about this movie is well made. I just wish it, I wish there was more talking in it because I feel like, you would feel more of her side. Also, by the way, I, f- I forgot to say this. The character's name is Isserly. Isserly. Isserly in the novel. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. I had to figure out what movie I was going to pick because I had one picked, but it's only streaming on a service that nobody has. So we're not going to do that one. Um, which I won't tell you what it is, so if we do pick it later, it'll be a surprise. Um, but... I don't know why, but I'm feeling very bodder horror. Bodder horror. Body horror <laughs> e, And, like, something just... We've been doing a lot of kind of depressing movies. <laughs> and I want to do something a little bit funner. More fun, but still scary and body horror. And we're going to be watching... 
which is only 99 minutes. Great God. Uh, we're going to be watching Society, which is uh, Brian Usna, who also did some of the reanimator sequels. Um, and I don't want to say anything about it. I've kept myself in the dark. I know some of it just from the poster, but um, it's definitely like satirical. And it has some body horror in it, and um, I think it, I think it's about the same kind of tone as Animator or Reanimator is, which is I enjoyed Reanimator, I think, right? We enjoyed yeah. Reanimator, yeah, of course, it's fun, yeah, we like Reanimator. Um, it's streaming on right now. It's streaming on Prime and Shutter. So if you don't have the add-on, it's just streaming on regular Prime, and. Um, I don't think this is going to be like a, um, I don't think it's a watch for the squeamish. Yeah. Again, I haven't actually watched it yet. I know very little about it because I have purposefully kept myself in the dark because part of this movie is you don't, you shouldn't know what it's, what happens until you watch it. Um, but anyways, it's kind of a cult classic. So I think some people know exactly what we're talking about and some people are like, what? Like, what's society? Just watch it. Um, so, yeah. So, that's what we're going to watch. And um, I'm kind of excited. Because I just I need something kind of fun, but not too funny. Because that's not what Grindhouse Girls is about. Just just funny enough. Yeah. I agree with that. Yes. For sure. <laughs> okay. So, that's what we're going to be watching. And I guess with that, we're going to say good night or good day or good morning whenever you're watching this. Um... Uh, thanks for listening Uh, keep your head up uh, keep your mask on take some vitamins drink some water I need to take my allergy medicine as soon as I get off here I brought it in the room with me and forgot sitting right there Um, and have a great week until we talk to you next week guys yeah and of course this is always your reminder um, you know we appreciate you Um, We are so glad you spent a little part of your day with us. Thank you so much for being here. Um, We love you. We appreciate you. We value you. Um, We hope you take this as a reminder to please, please drink your water. Like Katie said, please, please wear your mask. Unfortunately, the pandemic is still very much a thing, um, even if we wish it wasn't. Uh, So, you know, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Um, As always, we look forward to seeing you next time. Same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Good night. Or good day. Good morning. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, Please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. <laughs>